The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 82 and a very special guest, my buddy, McCor Cervantes. McCor, thank you so much for being on. Uh, thanks, Mark, for having me. Uh, this is really exciting. I'm honored. Nah, right on, man. I was thinking about you because this month I am doing a month of metal. Uh, last year I did Sober October, and this year I'm like, no way, I'm not doing that again. Um, <laughs> that so sounds I thought it would be fun to do something like this. So every day I am putting out a little video uh, on YouTube. I'm putting out um, something about a certain band that has influenced me, that has made a big impact on my life, that I've included in my writing and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? What other friends do I have that are metal? I, I have some friends that are metal, but they also have other influences. And there was no one that was really, I don't have, hang out with anyone that was more metal than me. I was like, all right, who do I know that's more metal? And I was like, ah, McCord. Uh, nah, nah, you're, you're the heavy, you're heavy metal dad, just like me. Yeah. And I think, I, I was trying to think back of how we met, and I'm guessing it was around music. I don't know whether I saw if I heard music coming from you or you heard it from me, but I know we're at Broad Oaks and that's probably how we met. Do you, do you happen to remember? Well, yeah. Okay. So you gave me a copy of 25 perfect days and I thumbed through it. And that first chapter is five, uh, five minutes alone. Oh, right. And I said, Oh dude, that's a Pantera song. And you'd be like, yeah, no shit. It's, that's why it's 25, uh, five minutes alone. And then we're like, I was like, Oh shit. Mark the metal head. And, and like, so that's how I, I'm pretty sure how we connected on metal and realized that we were both rockers, you know? That's cool. Yeah. No. And I think once you have that connection with someone, I don't know, it always feels that much stronger. Most of my friendships are based. I have a similar music with those people. I, I don't know. I just, I connect better with those people. Um, but yeah, I think quite a few of the songs and uh, quite a few of the stories in 25 perfect days were based off of metal songs. Lots of my, songs come up from i'm um, that's my stories or at least the titles of them originate because i'll be listening to metal and then i'm like oh those lyrics are awesome or you know it just it usually the story has nothing to do with the actual song five minutes alone does um but yeah for the most part it's just like okay no it just it just triggers something and it's that's my cool like my little way of giving a thank you to them for like you know for being that influence on me all right well pantera you know they're one of the greatest metal bands of all time. My favorite for sure. Yeah. So. I just answered. I saw someone today on Twitter was asking between Megadeth and Pantera, like who's the better band. Um, and I was like, I, I, my first instinct was Pantera because I definitely have a lot more favorite songs from them. But I was like, Megadeth's also a really good, powerful band. I, when I've seen them live, um, they're definitely talented musicians. Uh, but yeah, I think I'd rock out a little bit more to Pantera. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to have the conversation two different ways. And I've had it with two different types of people, guys like me that are just metalheads that love the music. And then there are guys that are musicians that want to get all technical about stuff and break it down into this and that and this and that, you know, and, and like, well, man, you just got to, you know, and they feel it and they love it too, but it's for real musicians. It's, it's kind of a different conversation. You are trying to come up with a, a, a top 10 list or whatever you're doing, you know? Right. So. And, and that's one thing I feel like, I, and one reason why I almost didn't even start this is I feel like I can't talk about music. Um, like, cause I'm not a musician. I, I've been trying to teach myself guitar and all that, but I've never, like, Same I here. know what I like. <laughs> I know what sounds awesome. I know what I want to fucking get in the pit to, but how do I really describe that music? And I, I don't know all these different techniques or any of that kind of language, but I do know what I like and I don't like. Right. Yeah. So we kind of, we're kind of in the same boat when it comes to that. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a musician and the same thing. I've, I've tried to learn the guitar since I was a teenager. I just don't have, I don't know. I don't have that in my head. It's not a natural thing for me. Um, like some people just pick it up and like, Oh, I'm a shredder, you know, but, um, yeah, it's you know it's something you gotta you gotta feel, and that's why I love heavy metal. 
now how how when did you first discover metal uh like what 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 brought you into the genre what who who were some of your favorite first bands and like at what age okay so i think when i i really first when something first hit me and it just like blew my mind i i still remember the moment i was sitting on the couch with my dad and we were watching mtv when they actually used to play music and um welcome to the jungle came on and i i must have been you know 10 or 11 and it just blew my mind so i you know i, I really started getting into rock and in and, and metal and then you know just buying um you know cassette tapes back then you mm -hmm. know and uh really found my love for for rock and heavy music and then at some point um a, a neighbor kid played iron man for me and when i heard that it just like oh my god dude i just had you know i felt the power of it but i didn't know what it was and i didn't know who black sabbath was at the time i was you know i must have been like you know 11 10 or 11 and uh so i asked my mom to take me to the record store and we were trying to figure out what it was and i had found and i was thinking oh, i think it's iron maiden that sounds right and i found the cassette tape for the trooper and oh. i brought that home and it wasn't what i was looking for but it was what i was looking for and uh you know i felt the power of that and i was like oh everybody's awesome but i was still looking for iron man so then I, I found out somehow or another you know of course i was a kid i don't remember all the details but i found out it was black sabbath so we went to back to the record store and i found the cassette tape for heaven and hell which of course was not what i was looking for but it was you know it was still amazing and then you know, on my journey trying to find iron man then I, I fully discovered black sabbath and just you know fell deep into heavy metal at that point and i was like oh and then you know and i heard that we had k and ac oh right and and then you know they uh, i think the first pantera song i heard was cemetery gates oh. and then i was just like oh you know then it just it was just such a snowball effect as it was full metalhead at that point, you know, especially going into like, you know, junior high and starting high school and, and hiding my little earbuds with my Walkman, hiding my earbuds under my hair, listening to a hip Pantera while I'm in math class. That probably explains a lot. <laughs> That's cool. No, I, um, yeah, Maiden was one of my earliest, um, for sure. My older brother found it, brought it home. I still remember being listening to it on a little tape deck. Uh, but yeah, I think that's what really drew me in. Now, did you, I was just wondering about this. Were you, uh, did you have a lot of aggression or anger as a kid? Do you, can you think of why the music resonated? That, that's a good question. Um, I think I've always had this, like, you know, a little bit of anger in me. And of course that's grown over the years becoming the, uh, the older you get, it seems like, you know, at least for me, I've, I've gotten angrier and angrier over the years, but, um, I don't, I think it was the energy of it, you know, the, the, it, it just got me so fired up and, you know, especially, um, you know, I, I, all through high school, I, I played, I played fo football and then I, you know, I played hockey for years. I still play hockey, but, um, it, it's just, I think it just gives me that little extra emotional boost. You know, it, it just makes you feel that, that, that intensity. Yeah, no, I, Dude, I'm I'm right there with you. Getting through all the practices, getting through workouts, hitting the heavy bag, like it would always be that music to like. I always had that going, something to give me that extra bit, um, for sure. Um, shit, I had another question. Now, what? Um, when did you start going to concerts? Uh, were you doing that at a pretty young age? And I was just trying to think of like, man, I was like, I wonder how many concerts I've been to um in my life like it must be at least a hundred and that's only going like three times a year for th 33 years i'm 48 right now starting yeah. out 15 and i was like i know you go to a, a shitload of concerts you've invited me to so <laughs> you many <do. laughs> yeah, yeah yeah not anymore um yeah well my my first i remember really well and i still have a t-shirt from it and it was uh 89 and i was i was 12 years old um my mom and dad took me to see the Steel Wheels tour, the Rolling Stone Steel Wheels tour at the Coliseum. Okay. And 
I think part of the reason they took me because Guns N' Roses was opening up and it was the original lineup, which was so cool. And uh, that was my, my first big concert. But after that, once I started driving when I was 16, I, I started going to local shows, started going to Hollywood. A lot of times I'd go by myself and I found this place in, uh, it wasn't a constant hangout for me. It was a place in Santa Fe, I think, called Checks. And it was like a little punk rock club. And I didn't fit. It was all ages. I didn't really fit in there at all. Like, I didn't dress like a punker or, you know, I'd, and I just, I would go by myself because they had live music and it was heavy and it was crazy. And all these people were going nuts and I was just so drawn to it. And if nobody wanted to go, I'd just roll down there in my van and, and watch the, watch the shows. But after that, you know, then I discovered Hollywood and all the little clubs, the Coke and the teaser and the, the whiskey and the Roxy and all those, you know, and uh, anytime anybody played, even if I didn't know who they were, I'd cruise down there and just rock out, man. That's cool. Man, one of my biggest exposures, one of the best things I ever did was, I think it was right after I graduated high school, I worked for some security company, but only because they worked Irvine Meadows and all these other shows. So, dude, I was seeing absolutely every show. That's where I heard Pantera, their very first concert. Uh, nice. Well, it wasn't their first concert, but the first time I fucking saw them. Um, and, uh, yeah, Rob Halford singing, like, right above me, sweat dripping on me. Was, that was kind of gross. Oh, but man. Still, I was like, That's for awesome. me, that was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so I gotta gotta meet all kinds of artists doing that, and that was a super cool exposure. But yeah, I, I would go to shows whenever I could. Just as I've gotten older, it's been a little bit harder. Not as many shows under my belt. Um, now, if you're gonna go see a show, well, let's take this back to like last year, or or imagine next year if shows are coming right. back. Would you still go see bands that you've never heard of? Would you only go to certain favorites? You know, do you have a certain kind of music that you listen to? Yeah, well, now at this point, a lot of it is centered around my son. You know, Luke just turned 16 on the 1st, and October 1st. And, uh, and I, I feel really blessed by the metal gods, as is he, because there are things I wish he was interested in that we could relate to. And, and he's not, you know, but he loves metal and he started playing guitar a couple of years ago and the kid is just a shredder i mean he you know he's studying you know randy rhodes and all this other stuff and he just he rips man and it is it's so great for me so now a lot of the stuff we go do and we go see is stuff he wants to see and and even bands my wife and i have you know seen a bunch of times we're gonna if he hasn't seen him we're gonna take him like his first, his first big concert when he was 12, right after he turned 12 was uh, The End. It was Black Sabbath The End. And he, he got to go do that. And we got VIP tickets and, and it, it cost a fortune, but it was worth it. You know, we had great seats and he got all the stuff. And, and then, you know, we, he's seen Ozzy a bunch of times since then. And um, so it, I would like to take him to some more smaller clubs and see some maybe, you know, bands that we don't even know who they are or other you know, opening bands that we've never heard or seen before. I would love to take him to go do more stuff like that. And shit, man, we had concert tickets for a bunch of stuff when Corona hit. And then now, we, you know, it all got canceled. But so when it all comes back, yeah, uh, everything we do and all the shows we're going to go see, which hopefully are plentiful, will be, you know, kind of centered around him, which, you know, our lives are, our, our kids are, uh, center of our lives so yeah dude i'm i'm 100 with you right there we we had we had a lot of shows we actually had a awesome vip to aftershock we were we had that all set up uh so we're going to travel for that one uh we had a trip to germany planned i was going to catch romstein um like so yeah that's been a bummer but we're definitely making it about my kids uh i took my daughter when she i think she was 10 we took her to maiden uh, she loved that and Ghost, uh, one of her favorite awesome. bands. Yeah, uh, she listens to Ice Nine Kills all the time. She just really got into. She's actually reading the books that Ice Nine Kills writes about. Like that's what's got her reading even more. Uh, so I thought that was super cool. And uh, yeah, we even took my son. My well, he was six at the time, but we saw it was a little bit more rockish. But um, it was a Breaking Benjamin and 
couple other bands uh, that she's oh three days grace and stuff but it was awesome as a whole family to to sing along because that's something I've never been I've always been an introvert and I would either be in the pit or standing in the back and I'm I'm never singing or anything like that but being with the whole family it was cool because I was able to just kind of let it go and have fun and they're singing so yeah definitely a cool experience yeah, uh, man, there, there was something I, I wish you could have done. We've, we did the last three years was the, the Dime Bash. Mm, and, yeah. uh, and of all the rock shows I've seen over the years, this is definitely up there uh, of special experiences because not only is it for Dimebag, and now, you know, they, they, they talk about Vinnie Paul a lot and stuff too, but all the musicians that show up and they, you know, they play a lot of different covers, but mostly Pantera covers and, and all these, these top level musicians that are doing it are fans of the music too, you know, and they're just, man, it's, it's such an intense experience because everybody is there because of Pantera, because of the music and, and you just get all these different versions of stuff. And it's, you know, one song after another, after another, and it seems, I think, uh, every, every show we saw was, you know, went for at least, four hours and it was, just, it was, it was great. So when this, if that what happens again, which I'm, I'm sure it will, you, you got to join us for that. Cause it, yeah, it's yeah, no, I, I've been kicking myself in the ass for all the shows that I didn't go with you. Um, you know, <laughs> there would always be something coming up and you always think like, Oh, I'll go next time. I'll go next time. But yeah, this year is kind of making me realize like, shit, you never know. There might not be a next time. And yeah. all that. Um, are you guys watching any virtual shows at all? Have you guys checked out anything like that? Uh, no, not really. Um, the one thing we did do, uh, last month, I had a, a few buddies over and, uh, we watched the Metallica S and M. Oh yeah. It was, it was a symphony and we have a really killer sound system in my living room and we, we sat back and cranked that shit up, man. And, you know, everybody in the neighborhood heard, heard it. And, uh, and it, it, that was a lot of fun. And, and it made me think I, I should probably do some of those virtual concerts. You know, I, I've heard a few of them talked about on the radio and, and that might really be something I should do with, you know, my, my family and then have you know, a couple friends over or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, have you done that? Um, I just saw Brian Posehn who does a uh, grandpa metal with uh, like Scott Ian and it's just, it's his comedy album, so it's not really music so much. Uh, so I haven't seen any actual virtual events other than that. It doesn't seem like it would have the energy. If I was to get together with a bunch of friends and just really crank it, I think then it would be cool. Um, you know, especially like the, the S&M, uh, that's a super powerful album. Um, and I haven't seen the whole, the new one, um, but I've seen a couple of the videos and I was like, yeah, that, that shit's awesome. Yeah, uh, if if you get a chance, pick up the the DVD or whatever, and uh, watch, sit down and watch the whole concert from beginning to end. And oh man, it's so good because it, it reminds you how much Metallica means to us, you know. Yeah, I I saw them last. I don't know whatever the last one was at uh, the Rose Bowl. I think it was the Rose Bowl, but we had terrible seats. But, man, it was just such a fucking powerful show, a good show. And I'm always like, eh, Metallica, you know, I've seen them so much. But, man, walking away from that, because they had a big part of their act was where they just got together in a really small part of the stage. And they're, they're like, this is what it was like when we started out. And they still, you know, it was just it was just like a very nice. cool experience, man. So, yeah, so I mean, Metallica will always be Metallica. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, now, types – well – how about your impression of someone that's into heavy metal? And I know you can't generalize people, but I think part of, I think even though I've been a metalhead, I probably maybe have looked down on other metalheads. You know, you, you see the drunk guys at the shows and they're a mess and everything else and blah, blah, blah. But what is your general impression of people? Like, do you think it doesn't make any difference at all? Or have you found them to be cooler? Have you found them to be, you know, not as cool? Yeah, well, I, I think heavy metal in general is cool. And if you like it and you're a fan of it, it makes you a little bit cooler than everybody else, right? So you're right. A lot of times you go to shows and there are guys that are assholes or, or are, are trying to be too aggressive or 
trying to, you know, puff their chest out and just be too much. But for the most part, man, especially if you're in the pit, you know, man, you get knocked down, five guys pick you up. Like, you, you just come right back up like nothing ever happened. And, and where else in, in the real world do you get knocked down and within a second you're up back up on your feet because people picked you up? If you're walking through the grocery store and you eat shit, people are going to take out their camera and take a picture of you or be like, yeah. oh, oh, my God, are you okay? You know, it, it, at a metal show, you go down, you, you know you're going to be okay because everybody around you is – it has for the most part uh, a certain respect and and can you hear me okay i just heard a yeah, click on my yeah no perfect um, yeah i think you're right and then on top of that too i've been to so many shows where the singers will stop stuff if there's someone getting hurt or or if they see something or whatever so yeah i think there is just a general everyone kind of looking out for each other yeah it's definitely definitely a brotherhood you know yeah so now, how about what are your, if you had to, could you list 10 of your favorite bands, like now? Oh, right off the top of my head? Uh, or, or go with a couple. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, of course, uh, Pantera is definitely, I would say, at the top of the list. Um, Metallica and Slayer are right there in the mix. Um, uh, we were talking you know, talk about Iron Maiden. Um, I would have to say Judas Priest. Oh, is, yeah. is definitely on my list but um when it comes to rob halford i, I kind of like the fight stuff a little bit more you know mm -hmm. um uh, obviously the, the judas priest stuff is, is just so intense and technical and heavy and just fast and amazing but you know i like a little bit more crunchy deeper slower like you know I, I have a lot of his um, his solo stuff, so not even even I, I had all fight, and I liked lots of that stuff. But even the more recent stuff that he did on his own, um, where I don't know if he would even be classified as metal, but I was like, I love that stuff. Play for the kids. Um, my daughter wants to be a singer. I was like, shit, you know, this is beautiful music. His voice is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so no, yeah. I would have to say. Um you know, I, I can't leave out uh, Slipknot. Uh, they've been a huge influence on me. I've seen them, you know, quite a few times. And, uh, they, you know, Corey Taylor is such an amazing front man, but the band is just so heavy and badass, you know. And, uh, yeah, th there are tons, but, you know, th those for me are in regular rotation. Now, has your has your listening changed at all? Like, have you have you – gone more towards slower songs do you still like I, I i think i've definitely eased up a little bit like i'll still put on heavy stuff every once in a while but and even if i'm listening to slayer lots of times it'll be some of their slower stuff i don't know have you have you ever gone through that uh you know i, I think over the years i i've it's been you know peaks and valleys for me you know it depending on you know depending on where you are in your life and and the mood you're in you know, during that time of day, like when I'm driving, when I'm driving to work and I got a big fat cup of coffee and it, it kicks in and I'm, I'm nuts, you know, and I, I crank the music up and I want the, the hardest, fastest music I could find, you know, and, and a lot of times I've listened to, uh, you know, liquid metal on, on Sirius and they play a lot of great stuff or now I, I, they, they have turbo, which is a lot of music. From, yeah. The older stuff, and they play a lot of great stuff on there and, and octane has some good stuff too. And, you know, they, they play a little bit more of the, you know, a little more alternative metal, but they have heavy shit too. Um, like there, there are some, some newer bands uh, that, that I don't know that they're that really that much newer. People will probably be like, that guy's, those guys have been around for 15, 20 years, but like um, In Flames. Oh um, yeah, I love In Flames. Uh, 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 they're, they're badass. Um, you're talking about Ice Nine Kills and um, uh uh, who who is it? Um, there, there's a uh, couple other bands they've been playing on the radio that are are just so badass. Um, I wrote it down because I, I knew I'd forget the uh, Parkway Drive. Oh yeah, love that. Yeah, and um, Upon a Burning Body. I haven't listened to them. Uh, uh, Upon a Burning Body, they have this song um, called uh, BMF, uh, Bad Motherfucker. Okay. And, uh, Oh, dude, it's hard. It's pretty, pretty great song. Yeah, listen, uh, check out uh, Upon a Burning Body. Okay. Um, so, you know, th there's stuff out there that's a little bit newer for me. And, of course, I mean, it's newer compared to Pantera and Slayer. 
stuff yeah. like that. You know? um, but I, I always go back to the heavy, the old heavy stuff. But I'm always excited when I find something, you know, something new, something new and, and heavy that, that that gives me that feeling again. You're you're just whatever that is inside you, that excitement that you, know, you get fired up. Yeah, man. Uh, now you also like uh, King, right? You you know oh, those yeah. guys. And now they're more because I hadn't listened to them a lot, but they kind of remind me of like corrosion of conformity a bit. Um, who who would you compare them to? And like, what what do you like about their music? Oh, oh man, I I really truly love the band. Um, I love their music, and I, I I know I'm not biased because I know the guys. Uh, you know, they're they're local guys, and uh, Eddie Valise and, and Tony uh, Castaneda. I I've known them for, you know, we've run in the same circle of friends and they played local music and that's how I got to know these guys. And uh, so I've known them for years. And then over the last few years, I got to be really good friends with, with those guys. But I know I'm, I don't love the music because I'm biased. When I, when I first put on the, the, the first album and the second album and the third album and I listened to them and that music just really hit me and, I, I, I kind of compare it to, for me, the feeling I get is like when I listen to Soundgarden or Alice in Chains and that, that heavy rock and it has like so much feeling to it, it well, at least for me, you know, it, 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 and you're right. I mean, they, they do have like elements of, I guess, of corrosion and, and uh, clutch and, and, you know, they, they, there's definitely some Sabbath elements in there and you can hear the influences, but um, you know, you can't just listen to, death metal all the time you need some some good actual guitar and some beautiful vocals and stuff and and these guys really fill a niche and i, I just man they're they're so underrated and it, it's it's unfortunate and i remember one time my my wife told eddie she's like you know if this was these you guys would be millionaires and he's just like, yeah. and you have no idea how many times i've heard that you know there's a, that it's unfortunate the internet has has killed at least uh, financially has killed it for these musicians. You know, you, they, they're not making the money they, they used to off of album sales because nobody buys albums anymore. Yeah. I know it's all on Spotify and they, yeah. yeah that's so it's, it's unfortunate. They're not more mainstream or at least, you know, more people don't know about them because their music is just, just so, so good. I, I, every album is just, so amazing that you see them live and they're just they just they kill it um pepe clark their drummer uh he was in a band a spanish metal band called ancla and um uh, i've heard them a couple times on on uh oh, yeah. yeah jose would play them i think yeah um they'd play them on liquid metal once in a while um but he is a fucking beast on the drums man um did you see aftershock anything from aftershock from the year before when no. they, they they did a um big uh pantera vinnie paul um dimebag tribute and, and pepe did the drums and he played that shit that that vinnie paul shit spot on man he's he's just a beast of a drummer you know the the blast beats and everything else he does is i've seen him live a bunch of times and it's a it's it's truly amazing that's cool. No, I, I've got them on. That's who, who I'm going to be listening to uh, all this week. And uh, and they seem like this is the perfect music to sit back, get high, and just listen to and enjoy it. So, oh, yeah. Is it, um, they, they have a couple really cool videos, too, on YouTube. I'm sure you've seen the videos. I did because you helped with one, right? Didn't you help uh, with one of the videos? Yeah. Um, we got to help them with uh, the Breathe in the Water video. We, we did some of the – some. Of the, it was a really DIY type of video you know they i mean a lot of people were involved but it was a, a lot of a lot of friends and a lot of volunteer work too you know because these bands just don't have the budget for high-end videos yeah and the record labels don't give them a shitload of money for for videos um their their electric halo video i mean that's a legit you know, mtv type of video you know mm -hmm. uh, check out electric halo if you haven't seen that that's one of their older ones that's from the first album okay but um, I, I think those guys are amazing. I I love King. That's awesome. Um, 
Hold on one second. I gotta open this up real quick. <clears throat> Sorry about that. My cat was going fucking nuts. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised I don't have one on me right now. <laughs> you got a bunch? I got. Yeah, yeah, I only have two, but they're just they don't leave me alone. Um, I want to see what other questions I have. Shit. Um, I don't know, man. I think that might. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about or you could think about? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. First, I want to. There's a quick little story I wanted to tell you uh, about my shirt, and I was thinking, what am I going to wear? You know, Bark has these. I, I saw a couple of your Instagram posts. He had these fucking badass heavy metal shirts. You know, and I was like, oh, I'm going to bust out my my favorite Slayer shirt that I still have from high school. You know, like, I have these. I have a few cool, really, you know, you know, vintage actual vintage shirts from when I was a teenager and stuff. And I was like, man, I need to wear the most heavy metal shirt I could find. And I thought about it and it's this one. So. (laughs) Oh, is that a fear factory? Yeah. So I was at the, I was at the, the palladium and Kurt, uh, uh, Burton C. Bell takes the shirt off and throws it in the crowd. And I grab it, and everybody grabs it. And it was a fucking battle to the death, man. But nobody's going to get this shirt from me. So I ended up with the shirt. And after that, I, I wore it to every metal show I went to. And what was that the Palladium? Fuck, I don't remember now. I think it was the Roxy. Okay. And, uh, well, I was wearing it, and I was at the Palladium. And I think they were, there was a, a Slipknot show. And my buddy comes over. He's like, dude, Burton C. Bell's at the bar. Let's go say hi to him. So we run over there and we're like, hey, dude. He turns around. He takes a double take. He's like, that's my shirt. (laughs) I was like, oh, shit. And then it occurred to me. I looked at He's like, yeah, man, I had that custom made. And this whole time, I just assumed he picked it up at a thrift store or some shit because it says Securitron. Then I realized it says Police State 20XX on it. And I thought, wow, that'd be a weird thing for a security shirt to have on a police station, yeah. you know. And, and he's like, yeah, man, I had that custom made. And I looked, I was like, oh, fuck, it's a fear factory. And it just, it never occurred to me, you know. And and um, and that made it that much more special. And that's why it's the most metal shirt that I have. <laughs> Dude, and it couldn't have been more perfect because today's uh, day three of the month of metal was fear factory. That's who I was talking about today. On yeah, my right, yeah. yeah, so I... Uh, I was I, I've been listening to them all day, trying to pick my favorite songs. Um, actually, because I include a little bit about them in Brightside, and I actually got Burton C. Bell to uh, autograph the very first copy of Brightside the very first day it came out, and got to meet oh, him. Oh, nice! Uh, and dude, I was trying to get him to talk about. Uh, I wanted him to write a "Try Not to Die" with me. I have my whole "Try Not to Die" series, and uh, we talked for a little bit, and then it just fell off. So I'm gonna I'm gonna write to him again and be like, "Hey, man, let's do it." So yeah. Cause that's my goal, dude. I would love to, I mean, heavy metal musicians. Those are my heroes. Those are the guys I look up to. I think they're incredible. Lots of them are just incredible uh, artists, you know, just in their minds, the lyrics that they come up with. I've always been really attracted to lyrics um, and just overall feel. So I was like, man, if I could write with some of these dudes, I was like, that would be awesome. Uh, well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. definitely, definitely a wordsmith and, and these guys, just do it in a different way. If, yeah. Yeah, if you could collaborate with some of these heavy metal dudes that write intense, intense music, that'd be pretty great. Yeah, no, I think that's, that, that's my goal. That's what, uh, that would, that would fulfill me. Like I enjoy writing, but it's even cooler to write with friends or to write with other people like that. Just tap in. I, I would love to be able to tap into the brain and just pull out the story. I was like, that would, that would be ideal. So yeah. Yeah, but that's super cool that you wore that shirt today. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I need to wear the most metal shirt I got. And then I realized this is the one. So, uh, Yeah, no, it couldn't have been more perfect. Um, well, shit, man. I guess I got to get to my kids and be a good dad and all that nonsense. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I got to go make lunch for my kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't even eat. I was like, I got to do this podcast real quick. Um, at the end of every one of my podcasts, I usually play a story. Um here, these are all, I'll let you choose from ones that are named after heavy metal songs. Um, let's see, uh, Numbered Days, I think that was off of a Biohazard song. Either a title or whatever, there's uh, Dead to Me, that was definitely Biohazard. Last in Line, obviously Dio. 
or the feelings back um, by suicidal tendencies. So out of those stories, which would you want to hear today? Oh man, I'm a huge suicidal fan. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Sometimes that's the only thing that really like fills that void for me. I'll I'll put on a, um, my my favorite album is how how can I laugh tomorrow when I came and smiled today. And just every song on that album to me just, just gets me going, you know? Yeah, no, that, uh, that's an awesome album. Just their music, uh, all together. I think they're going to be my day. They're going to be day four on my month of metal is suicidal. Uh, cause I, I include them in a couple of stories and I've read a couple. So, um, I'll attach that story to this podcast, but dude, thank you so much for being on. It's been awesome having you here to talk metal with. Uh, yeah, right on Mark. I, I really am honored to be on a podcast with the, you're a, the podcast master and, and this is my first time doing it. I think this is my second Zoom meeting. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, th- thank you. Thank you for including me. And, uh, you know, let's keep in touch and, you know, maybe we could do something at some point. Yeah, for sure, dude. And as soon as the as soon as everything opens up and we start going to shows again, that would be fucking awesome. We'll definitely. Yeah, I would really love, I'd love to come to uh, some of the taco metal parties they have down at the Sirius XM studios um, that, you know, awesome. usually, open to, usually open to the public. and and. Oh, it's just so much fun, man. So personal. And, you know, Jose Mingan hosts a thing and just walks around bullshits with everybody. And, and, uh, yeah, you, you would love it, man. Uh, uh, I would, I would love to have you down there for something like that. All right. Well, dude, for sure. Next time it happens, I'm going no matter what. So awesome. Thanks again for being on. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you later on. Thank you, Mark. the feelings back. Tiny flickers of energy tease the tips of my fingers, the tingling sensation the strongest it's been since I first noticed it three days ago. The feeling is back. There's no denying it. This chair is painful to sit in, the hard oak digging into my back, but it's the only piece of furniture in the entire house I can get out of without assistance. I put aside my discomfort and concentrate on the ends of my fingers. It isn't my imagination. I'm regaining the use of my hands and arms. Life's about to change drastically, and I can't fucking wait. The rickety TV tray is nestled beside the chair, ready to topple over if I rock too much. All that's on it is a journal I can never put my true feelings in, and my Xanax bottle with the childproof cap... Complete overkill, seeing how I can't pop the top off a can of Pringles. I don't need a clock to tell me it's way past pill time, and my stomach won't stop grumbling because all I've had is a tiny breakfast bar. Donna should have been back from the supermarket, but I'm betting she stopped by Hamburger Heaven to visit her new friend, Jenny. She's been doing that a lot lately. My anxiety has been through the roof the last few days, and having the bottle just sitting there only makes it worse. Plus, I need to take a piss. But, if I'm going to be honest, those aren't the real reasons I'm upset she left me home like a newly housebroken dog. It's because I've been afraid I'd jinx myself if I told her the feeling is back. But that's just a stupid superstition. I'll tell her today, as soon as she gets home. My low back's begging for me to get up and stretch, my bladder demanding I go to the bathroom. I refuse and sit still, promise myself I'll only wait another five minutes. Having to piss makes me picture the terry cloth towel Donna attached to the rim of the tub. Not being able to wipe my own ass is bad enough, but having to straddle the tub and drag myself back and forth on that towel is beyond humiliating. Donna says she'd never tell a soul, but that doesn't really make it any better. The crunch of Donna's Lexus pulling into the driveway helps me to feel more forgiving. Sure, it sucks rubbing myself raw on a piece of glued-down terry cloth, but cleaning my ass can't be one of her favorite duties. And I never tell her this, but if our roles were reversed, I know where I'd be when it came time for her mess. The feeling is back, and I'll be able to tell her soon. That's all that matters now. She won't have to be my arms anymore, won't have to wait on me night and day. The Lexus turns off, 
and Donna's wooden clogs clunk off the concrete. Her clomp, clomp, clomp up the stairs has me imagining a Clydesdale coming to my rescue. She obviously isn't everything I'd want in a wife, but like they say, beggars can't be choosers. And I know better than anyone else that men with two useless arms are never choosers. The knob rattles because she'd locked the door, even though I always ask her to leave it unlocked in case I have to leave quickly because of a fire or some other emergency. It's safe out here, a neighborhood where no one locks their doors. No one except my Donna. There's a loud bang on the doorframe. Tear bear, she calls out sweet as rancid honey. Tear bear, open the door, will ya? That can't believe you keep calling me that feeling surges through me. It's not just the name, even though I absolutely hate it. She has the keys and two good arms to use them. But you can't tell that to a woman who just gave up her job and used half of her inheritance to buy a house for some cripple she'd only just met. The negative thoughts won't help, so I bend forward at the waist and bite the rope dangling from the ceiling. Like a well-trained pit bull, I pull myself out of the chair and head for the kitchen. I brace against the door and raise my knee, poised to knock the deadbolt back. Donna bangs on the door and shouts my name. The fingers on my right hand jerk into a fist, but return to their useless state so fast I question whether I imagined it. My hand's just hanging, but I can feel the faintest pulse in my fingertips. The feeling is back, stronger than ever, and not even Donna can ruin that. In my most pleasant voice, I say, It'll only be a second. It takes all my concentration to block out the metal digging into my kneecap, but I release the lock and take a step back. Donna opens the door and greets me with a grin, half of a cheesy fry protruding from the corner of her mouth. In one hand is a shopping bag, in the other a grease-soaked brown paper bag, whose saggy bottom is going to rip any second. She wobbles into the kitchen and sets down the groceries, the reek of her Estee Lauder triggering my headache. She gulps the fry and gives me a peck on my cheek, smearing her bright red lipstick so I'll have to beg her to wipe it off. She tosses the brown bag on the counter and says, Stop by to see Jenny and picked you up a burger. Thanks, but I'm trying to watch my weight, I say, staring at her calculating eyes, afraid any glance at her double chin, triple belly, or thunder thighs will make her think I'm judging. The top of the bag's open, but Donna slices through the soggy bottom with her hot pink fingernail. Your loss... She pulls out the double bacon cheeseburger and says, I forgot you were trying to get back to your fighting weight. Got any bouts lined up? I keep my mouth shut, watch her stuff hers, a large glob of grease squeezing out the corner and dripping onto her too tight shirt. I step back and keep the smile on my face, wondering if I can clench my fist and hold it long enough for her to see. For someone who'd spent most of her life as a caretaker, it seems she'd be more thoughtful. She hadn't been this hateful before we got married, so I'll write it off as resentment and do my best to keep my temper in check. No, I don't plan on fighting again, but I've got to make sure I watch what I'm eating. Walking only burns so many calories and... I know, I know, she mumbles around the burger. Donna pulls a two-liter Diet Coke from the fridge and drinks straight from the bottle. She smacks her lips and says, I still got groceries in the car. Do me a favor and bring them in. Is the trunk open? Donna nods and pours the rest of the Coke into a large plastic cup. I toe open the kitchen door and head outside, biting my tongue. I can't let her ruin my mood, and I need to consider what would happen if I'm wrong about the feeling. What if it goes away? In the back seat, there's a crumpled brown bag, the bottom of it still wet with grease. I don't care if she wants to keep eating that crap, but I don't want to hear her bitching about not losing any weight. A little exercise like getting these bags wouldn't kill her either. The trunk is barely cracked open. If I try pushing it open with my knee, I risk it snapping shut. But if I ask Donna to open it, I'll never hear the end of it. 
My right hand hangs by my side like it's feeling something in my pocket. I concentrate as hard as I can, and the tips of my fingers curl. My fist closes and opens. For the first time in over a year, my arm bends at the elbow. It's almost like I'm watching someone else as my hand goes under the trunk's lid and nudges it up. The trunk only rises a few inches, but enough so I can get my knee under and raise it all the way. I'm tempted to see if I can haul a bag of groceries, but opening the trunk has left me drained. I bend at the waist and fish the handles of one of the bags into my mouth. There are five more, so I grab another. With the handles secured in my mouth, I lift them out of the trunk and head toward the kitchen. The bags bounce off my chest, and the handles dig deep into the corners of my mouth as I climb the stairs. I'm two steps from the kitchen counter when the bag hanging to my right rips. A carton of Rocky Road ice cream, two boxes of Hot Pockets, and a bag of frozen chicken wings smash on the floor. I swing the intact bag onto the counter and say, I'm sorry. Donna turns around, the last bit of burger clamped between her fingers, the look of irritation I'd grown accustomed to. Instead of pointing out that it wouldn't have happened if she'd done it herself, I say, At least nothing broke. Donna polishes off the burger, wiping her hands on her jeans. I still gotta pick them up. She bends over with a sigh. I'll get the rest of the bags. You sure? She sets the spilled food onto the counter. Just go, go watch TV and let me do everything. Without a word, I turn and head out of the kitchen. I shouldn't have snapped at you, Donna says, her way of saying sorry. I'll put the food away and bring you your lunch. I head for the hallway and say, It's no big deal, hiding the fact that I'm seething. The bathroom door is closed, even though she knows better. Tired of being a nuisance and relying on her for everything, I will both hands forward, surprised to see them moving so soon after the trunk. My hands grab the sides of the knob and turn until the latch clicks free. I don't shout and brag about it, just enter the bathroom, wonder if I have the strength in my fingers to peel off that dingy strip of terry cloth attached to the rim of the tub. That little piece of shit-stained fabric sums up the last six months of my handicapped life, and I want more than anything to rip it free and tear it into a thousand bits. But that will have to wait. Normally I'd have to lift my leg and catch the bottom of my basketball shorts on the hooked wire Donna installed for just that purpose. Instead, I concentrate on my dangling right hand, curl my index finger around the fabric, and raise it so I can piss on my own. Excited by my accomplishment, I drop my shorts before the pee trickles out. But even as the small circle of urine spreads on the front of my shorts, I can't help but smile. The feeling is back, and there's no stopping it. I close the door and head for my chair, ease into it, barely aware I'm using my left hand to steady myself. I imagine the new recliner I'll buy, one of those cushy leather jobs that'll wrap itself around me like a giant marshmallow. Donna's still in the kitchen, slapping together a sandwich of peanut butter and strawberry jelly on white bread, which she swears tastes twenty times better than wheat. I glance at my Xanax, thrilled I won't need them again after today. She comes over with the paper plate and huge cup of Coke, and I put on my best smile. She sets it on the TV tray, pulls over the steel-reinforced chair so it's facing me, close enough so she can feed me, wipe up, and treat me like a helpless infant. Instead of sitting in her chair, Donna plops on the armrest of mine. Before we tip over, she scoots back and puts her weight on me not aware or maybe just not caring that I can barely breathe. She smothers me with a hug and whispers that she loves me. Me too, I say, being sure not to breathe too deeply. This close, her perfume does little to mask her poor hygiene. 
Donna isn't very fond of bathing, and the black rings filling the fat folds of her neck are making me nauseous. Donna squeezes me again. Did you see I made your favorite? She says, as her giant boobs press against my face and strands of her oily hair stick to my forehead. Having to eat something all the time doesn't automatically make it your favorite, but I keep quiet, wishing I could bring my trapped arm up and push her away. Trying to sound sincere, I say, Thanks. Would you mind getting me a drink to go with them? Donna squeezes me one last time before heaving herself to her feet. She lifts her cup off the tray and brings it to my lips. Here you go, take a sip. I pull my head back. That's not diet, is it? She takes her time before answering like she was thinking of lying. A little won't hurt you. I hate to be a pain, Donna, but I hate that stuff. Donna sighs and slams the cup onto the tray, drops of the sticky soda splashing out and landing on the Xanax and writing journal. Are you serious? I've been running errands all day. Please, I say, wishing she wouldn't make me beg. I have a hard time taking my pill with that stuff. I don't see how it's any different. Trust me on this one. Donna's face hardens into a scowl. She's about to say something, but I beat her to it. I've got some incredible news for us, and... What? she asks with the excitement of a child. What is it? I want everything to be right before I tell you. Could you get that drink for me? Donna heads for the kitchen, her legs swishing together as she waddles away. This had better be good. It's better than good. I flex my fingers and watch her as she searches for a clean cup. Just like I figured it would, it takes her more than a minute to get my drink, leaving me plenty of time to gather my thoughts and see just how much I can do with my hands. Shortly, she is standing there with my drink. So, what is it? I nod toward her chair and tell her to have a seat. I'd like you to write it down for me. Donna says, No problem, just tell me what it is. You'll see. I wait for her to pick up my journal and the pen clipped to it. Our lives are about to change. Donna puts pen to paper. Did you win the lottery? What the hell is it? She asks impatiently. It feels good to finally be in the driver's seat, to have something she wants. Let's just say it's good enough to deserve a toast. What do you say? Donna clinks our glasses together and puts mine to my lips for a sip before gulping down half of hers. Here's to good news. God knows we can use it. Remember, word for word, I motion at the journal. Start with a fresh page, please. This is special. Donna nods and tells me to hurry. The feeling's back and stronger than ever. Donna looks up from the journal. What feeling? Instead of answering her, I continue my speech. I can't remember the last time I felt like this, but the pain is so intense. Donna gasps and sets down the journal so she can pick up the bottle of pills. I totally forgot. She struggles to get the cap free. Here you go. It's fine. Just put the pills down, Donna. I'll have one when we're done with this. You sure? Positive. Can I go on? Donna sets the bottle down, reads what she has on the paper, and looks up. The feeling. It's in your hands? I smile. I can't wait to open this damn bottle. I'll do it soon. I'll take off the top, reach in, pull out one pill after another stick them all on my tongue, and wash them down with a drink of water from a glass I filled, a glass I held. I can get one for you real quick. I ignore her and wait for her to take another drink before I say, it feels so good to know I will never have to depend on anyone again. When Donna's pen stops moving, 
I ask if she got it all down. You feeling okay? You're starting to sweat. Donna wipes her slick forehead with the back of her arm. I'm fine. Just got a little dizzy. Tell me that last part again. I repeat the sentence, watching her pen shake ever so slightly as she writes down my words. She often pretends to be sick to get sympathy, but I know she's not faking now. Can you finish? I'd really like to get this down, I say, as gently as possible. She looks up from the paper, her eyes filled with tears. Are you telling me that you don't need me anymore? You don't want me? Is this your way of leaving me? No, darling, it's not that at all. This is good news. I'll finally be able to do things for you. A shiver courses through her, the fat folds rippling. She continues as if she hadn't heard my response. I gave up everything for you. Everything. My job, my friends. You're upsetting yourself over nothing. Slow down and take a drink, I say. Donna, who looks ready to lose her lunch, polishes off the rest of her coke and sits there, staring past me. Aren't you happy for me? I ask, bringing her attention back. Her pupils fight to stay focused on my face. I am just worried, she says, her words starting to slur. Write this down word for word, and then you'll be done. Once Donna's ready, I say, no one will ever have to worry about me again. I'll finally be free from this miserable life. The pen is all over the paper, but even upside down, I can read that the sprawling chicken scratch accurately reflects my words. That's it. You can put the pen down. The pen falls to the floor. Donna looks at the journal. Can't read it. One last favor, the last one I ever ask, I swear. She sets both arms on the TV tray to steady herself, her pupils completely dilated, jumping all around. Give me my pill. Then you can go to bed. Donna reaches for the bottle and knocks it over with the back of her hand. Concentrate, Donna. She uses one hand to steady the bottle and the other hand to pick it up. Donna unscrews the cap. She sticks her finger into the opening and pulls out half of a pill capsule, sets it on the tray. This one broke. Try another. With her eyes half closed, Donna blows out a breath and reaches into the bottle, pulls out three more empty capsule shells. They screwed up, she says, as she dumps the rest of the bottle onto the tray, broken shells spilling everywhere, but no trace of the powder they once held. I say, we'll have to call the pharmacy and complain. Donna sways back and forth in her chair, closing and then reopening her eyes. Struggling to get out each word, she says, I got it yesterday. They were fine. I scratch the side of my head. You sure about that? Your hand, she says, before collapsing onto the floor. The bottle rolls toward me and plunges off the edge of the TV tray. I nearly reach out and grab it, but it won't do to put my prints on the bottle I couldn't possibly have ever held. I slip on the pair of latex gloves I'd taken from the bathroom and hidden in my shorts. Donna used to say that a guy with no arms could never have everything a man with both arms had. That might be true, but I have something others in my position would envy. An airtight alibi. There isn't a soul in town who isn't aware of my handicap. Not one person out there who doesn't shake their head when they see me and then laugh when I'm out of range. Everyone would swear what a nice guy I am, and no one would suspect I'd be capable of doing anyone harm. I drop to a knee and pick up a pill shell that had fallen. Before I get up, I hold my hand under Donna's nose to confirm she's no longer breathing. If I were to call 911 right away, they'd probably be able to save her. 
I feel kind of guilty grinning about that. I scoop up the rest of the pill capsules and place them in my pocket. I tear out each of the journal pages prior to Donna's suicide note, then head to the kitchen to start up the stove. There's some great material in my hands, but I'd be stupid to keep them. The journal pages and the pill capsules are no more. The gloves flush down the toilet. I take off out the front door for my daily walk, the time for me to greet my neighbors and let the world see what a miserable life I lead, unable to do anything for myself. None of them will suspect a thing. No one will be able to tell the feeling had come back, and no one will wonder why I decided to pick up and leave town soon after I found out my wife killed herself. I keep the walk short, but it's long enough for the feeling to completely vanish, my arms and hands useless once again. I'm not discouraged, though, and I'm not surprised. The feeling never stays long, but the nice thing is that it always comes back. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.